is an image for one of the topics. So go ahead and go to the doc so that you can see that set in. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah, th- this might be a an argument. <laughs> we'll get... Are you serious? Okay, well, let's just go ahead and stri- let's go straight to it. Okay, so here's the thing. I found a site that could let you like rank all Lizzie McAlpine songs uh-huh. and say which ones are the really good ones and which ones good are the Lord. medium ones and all that stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I know we're kind of super disagreeing, <laughs> which is why it's like funny to talk about. So here's what we have. We have the full body experience songs that you, the reason we can like distinguish between full body experience and just like a good song is that I'm making like weird faces when I'm listening to it. I'm like, yeah, this is great. Yeah. I'm making yeah. weird faces. The songs that earned the full body experience title are Nothing Slash Sad and Stuff, I Knew, Mean Something, Same Boat, Doomsday, Erase Me, Reckless Driving, Kim Trails, and Orange Show Speedway. Now, there are a lot there, but it's like, this is my honest opinion. Those are all the ones that is like, yeah, this is a great song. 10 out of 10, best song. And then we have Fantastic, Give Me a Minute, and Over the Ocean Call. Not the version combined with Andrew, just Over the Ocean Call. Medium, Pancakes for Dinner, Headstones and Landmines, and Weird. Which I don't hate as much as you. I hate weird. <laughs> yeah, you put weird on in the worst slot here. Uh-huh. And then not her best is Andrew, Where Do I Go, You Love, What a Shame, Firearm, Hate to Be Lame, and Nobody Likes a Secret. I'm unfairly putting some like more simple guitar songs on there, just because they're not my favorite. So not, not her best in my opinion. But if you like them, I don't hold that against you. It just happens to not be my favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get you. I get you. All right. Destroy my tier list, Joe. Okay, look. Here's the deal. Where Do I Go is one of the best songs ever, okay? Uh, which <laughs> I, I do understand, like, it's it's a more, it's a simpler guitar song. So that, that makes sense that we would disagree there. But, like, I just love the, like, ah, the way that she weaves together a song is so beautiful to me. Talking about, I can get around well. Like, I know how to navigate. Like, I can I can tell by the stars where I'm at. But, like, I don't know where I go without you like what am i supposed to do like i'm i'm lost without you essentially oh it's so so good i i can't believe that's on your your bottom um what a shame is also yeah that that's the one where she's the other woman she's inviting the guy to cheat essentially which is weird (laughs) i don't like that uh i don't know if you noticed that in the lyrics or not but I don't think I did. That that song, I don't understand. That's the one where she's like, I don't want to take my mind off you. Please take me home and blah, oh, blah, Oh, that's blah. what it is. That <laughs> one. Christian approved lyrics. And it's like, what a shame. Yeah, what a shame it would be if you let her down. Like, yes. Uh, you, like, you can't leave her now or whatever. That has the same vibe as break up with your boyfriend because I'm bored. Yeah, I remember that. Again, not her yeah. best lyrically or musically. I rest my case. Ah, see, but I... I I love the music of it because it. I always say this. It feels like walking. Like it's very like. Ding, 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 ding. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Right now. Yeah. You line anyway. up your footsteps with it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It feels like walking to me. So I love that one. Um, what's chemtrails? I why is that in your top? I don't like that song. It's so like sweet and and sad and nice and makes you feel things inside that's why it's on there and also like i wonder if like the reason she's like seemingly so sad and messed up all the time is because like i don't know when her dad died but like she doesn't have that positive like father influence so she she gets into all these bad situations so anyway it it always makes me think about it from that angle so i'm like 
sorry to speculate about your personal life there, Lizzie, but <laughs> for that reason, it always makes me me think about that aspect of like how important mm-hmm. good fathers are and like everything. If you don't yeah. have them, like things are gonna kind of go sideways. True. So that's why, that's why it's in there. Yeah, I love that. I knew uh, made it to your top. That's awesome. I I love that song. We can agree on that one. Yes, we can agree on that one. Because uh, it's like it's almost a happy love song, and then it's decidedly not a happy love song. And then uh, means something is one of my favorites too. That's I love that song. I love that song. Yeah, that that one's awesome. Musically, it's awesome. Lyrically, it kills me. Um, yeah, it's it's awesome. Um, Over the ocean call. I agree with you there. Uh, sad and stuff. I really. How does that one even go? Something doesn't feel right. Maybe it's the time. Yeah, you're you're just medium on that one. You're medium on it. It's okay. Yeah, that's not like my favorite. And then I know that you're like disagree with same boat or whatever. Yeah. Maybe I need to re-listen to it. Orange Show Speedway, though, for sure. For sure, that's a great song. I was surprised to see Doomsday and Erase Me in there, too. Well, it's it's her more like pop normal songs and I'm a sucker for it. So what you going to do? And like, okay, so remember how I was talking about how Doomsday, I was like fusing my memories of last semester with the, mm, yes, that was where I listened to it. Like when going up and being like nervous about tests and riding my bike and all this stuff and like being in Ballantyne Hall. So every time I listened to the first part, uh-huh. it immediately <laughs> hits me in the face with all the memory and i'm like i'm immediately right back there it's almost like hurts how much it comes back oh <laughs> i realized i'm doing i can talk about some other songs some other time but i've been playing them like so often it's like mm. okay i'm fusing th- yeah. this these will yeah. be the songs i'm kind of accidentally fusing with with my memories and like the unique experience that is this semester so like i've already accidentally done that with a couple of songs i was like these are gonna be like locked to the memory of me talking to other people mm. this year or being in my car whatever the case is so I think that I might need to make like there wouldn't be that many songs on it, but I might need to make a formal playlist for the different semesters to where it's like wanna yeah. be reminded of what it was like. Okay, here you go, press play. Yes, dude, that's that's what I do with my. Uh, I have Spotify playlists for every every year of school so far. I've I've had a different playlist for that year, and so when I want to relive a like what sophomore year was like, I just go back and listen to that playlist. And, and I also wanted to, we're going to be jumping all around the list, so the list is not accurate today, but I, I've been sort of agreeing with you on that point of make a playlist for the different semesters. Mm-hmm. And I'm also agreeing with you on something that I never thought I would, but the idea of not having a passcode on your phone, <gasps> essentially, you, I think you might have, you might have like gotten that bug in my ear and like converted me because here, because, okay, here's what happened. So I was a careless person and put my phone on an, un, it wasn't unstable, but it was like, there was basically i put it in a place i shouldn't have and then accidentally mm. knocked it on the floor and like the second it hit screen down i was like okay that cr- if that that probably cracked and i deserve the fact that that cracked because <laughs> like it shouldn't be on the, the counter like that and it shouldn't have cra- fallen on the hard floor and cracked uh-huh. and sure enough it was cracked very annoying i don't want to have a cracked phone that's terrible so i of course had it fixed but and then also did a screen protector there were very long and complicated series of events the screen protector i ended up with covers the notch which i'm not a huge fan of like they make ones that don't cover the notch, but since it does cover the notch, it means the face ID isn't as accurate as it used to be because it's having to go through that one mm. more layer. So it's like it would sometimes unlock and sometimes it wouldn't unlock. And sometimes it'd be like, we can't find your face at all. Just type in your passcode. Your passcode is required mm-hmm. to enable face ID. It's like, okay, I'm wasting how many minutes if you 10 seconds of wasted time, like trying to mess with face ID for like eight seconds and then typing in your passcode for three seconds. This time is adding up and it's really meaning something. 
So I'm turning off the passcode and then I'm just in in under one second. Exactly. And then like the main thing, oh, what if someone is messing with your phone or takes it away? First of all, there's nothing that private on there. I don't want anyone messing with my data or anything, but there's nothing that private on there. Yeah, yeah. First of all, that's a you problem, as you said. It's a, like a problem for the other person being evil if they're messing with my phone because there's nothing that big on there. And if they really want to mess with it, then they have to sleep at night knowing they're a horrible person and they're messing with my uh -huh. stuff. Yep. It's realistically not too far from my person and not in like a publicly accessible area. And B, if someone was like really messing with it or to stole it or it got lost or something, I can just remotely lock it down using Find My on a different device. It would just be like type in your Apple ID passcode to unlock it. So I could lock it down from a different device if I really had to and see where it was. Mm -hmm. So all of this is combining to say I don't have a passcode anymore and it's way faster. Isn't that great? Dude, wow, look at you go. Yeah, no, I, I I have not had a password in three years. Just because, like, yeah, the the majority of my time is spent with people I trust anyway. And when I'm not with people I trust, it's, it's like, on my person. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, I mean, typically it works out for me. I don't know. Um, and it's quick. Like you said, it's very, it's very, very, very efficient. So that's why I like doing it. I'm glad to hear that you've changed your ways. I don't really watch the Apple events anymore, but I think I need to reread a liturgy for those who covet the latest technology. Because uh, boy, does the iPhone 14 Pro look cool. Just saying. I No, I get that. But like, oh man, this is awesome. This is the first time there's been like an actual meaningful redesign of the screen and so on. Okay, wait. So what, what happened? I don't, I didn't see anything. You didn't see anything? No, I didn't. I didn't watch it. Well, I watched a little bit. I saw the new Apple watch, but the iPhone looked the same. What it was, was the iPhone 14 and, and honestly, I don't know a ton. The iPhone 14 Pro and the iPhone 14 Pro Max both have a, not really a notch anymore, as much as like a little lozenge with like a small little, a very small little cutout and like circle in the display. So there's more display than before. And then there is like, Apple is essentially using that part portion of the display to, it's kind of hard to explain, but they're like putting animations and stuff kind of in and around that area so that it doesn't really go to waste. So it's like an actual meaningful redesign. And like the the pact I made to myself was like, I'm going to buy the iPhone 10 for too much money on the year that it came out. And I, I got a decent deal for it, but I, I would buy it on the year it came out and I would do it through, use it through college. And it has been working really well. It's just like battery wise, it's questionable. And camera wise, it has been very much surpassed. So I don't really take photos because it's like these photos aren't that good compared to like, I see my grandma taking pictures with her better phone. And she's like mm -hmm. taking pictures of our dog and stuff. It looks like this cinematic masterpiece of the blurred background. And like, <laughs> oh man. Or she'll send like a, a can of soup, a picture of a can of soup to us. And it's like, wow, you, you were just explaining like what to buy in the grocery store, but here's the cinematic can of soup. With, it's like, every, you, no matter what you planned out, it looks so cool and great. So anyway, yeah. it, realistically, it wouldn't make that like a quality of life or difference or whatever, but Apple's just too darn good at marketing. So I always want to buy their stuff. I get that. Do you have any particular opinion on anything? Um... No, well, I used to get all excited about everything, um, <laughs> and like, well, I, I mean, really, like, I, I, you know, I'd go and watch the event, and I'd, I'd be like, oh, I really, you know, yeah, that used to be me too. But I don't know. It's like now, I don't know. I uh, and we can talk about this more, but like, I've realized I want to do the most with the least amount. So like, I really don't use. Like, I don't feel like I use my phone that much for anything. Like, I'm trying to separate myself more and more from, like, social media and, like, reasons to spend extra, like, stupid time on my phone. Like, I don't want those. Um, and so, I use my computer for a lot. I'm not really... I, I try not to get on social media very much. Mm -hmm. To me, the utility of a phone is communication 
and uh, memory, right? Like taking pictures and like, and then texting people basically and calling like that. That is really all I need in a phone is something to take pictures and store them and to communicate with people that I care about. And that's about it. And so not that I'm like, you know, Mr. MacGyver going to go live in the woods or whatever right now. (laughs) I'm just, I'm just like, I'm like, okay, like why would I spend, you know, a thousand ish dollars on a new phone when I've got one that like is two years old and still kicking and doing fine. Uh, Generally. I mean, I cracked the phone or I cracked it like two months after I got it, which sucked, but uh, never got that fixed. Anyway, if you do get it fixed, don't put on a full display screen protector. Or I guess it doesn't matter. You don't have a passcode anyway. Whatever. <laughs> and like, I used to have an Apple Watch. I don't have one anymore, just because like, do I really need to be connected to my phone that much? Like, it's cool for like alarms and and stuff. But like, that's what Apple thrives on is like, you know, lifestyle. Life. You know, like use us all through your day, every day. You know, it's like, and it's like, ah, make us a part of your life. Exactly. It's like I don't really feel the need for that. You know. Um, so that being said, do I have an opinion on things? It, not particularly. Um, it just, to me, it's like, you know, uh, I don't know what that curve is, but like, you know, the jump from like an iPhone four to an iPhone five was like, Oh my gosh, it's like way bigger. It does all these, you know, it's crazy. But like from a 12 or like a 13 to a 14, it's like, it's a little bit faster, a little bit better camera, a little bit bigger. Maybe the screen is a little better the battery's a little better, like incrementally better things. And maybe I'm wrong, but like I I watched a little bit of the Apple watch thing and it was like, got a little bit bigger screen and a little bit better battery. And and it's like, uh, now the ultra, um, Apple watch thing that looks cool. Uh, and that's, that's them like going after Garmin essentially. (laughs) And like those, those nicer watch brands. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't really have an opinion on anything. Didn't they didn't they redo the AirPods too? They created AirPods Pro 2, and it now has the amazing feature where if you lose your AirPods Pro, ostensibly they would be in the case, you can have the case make play a sound because now the case has speakers. So it's like, where it is my uh, AirPods? I don't know. They fell in the couch cushions, and I can't find them. Okay, press a couple buttons. Beep, beep, beep. Okay, then you can find them. That's cool. I really wish I had that feature for my... They only are doing that for the AirPods Pro. They're not doing that for the old school you know, not noise canceling, just basic round of the mill AirPods. I wish they did upgrade like the more simple ones because I tried the AirPods Pro before. They just don't fit in my ears. They're not comfortable. They fall out. They're just mm. not good. Like, don't get yeah. me wrong. They would be extremely useful if I could get them to fit in my ears. But since I can, I'm just on the AirPods Generation 2, which doesn't go all the way in your ear. It's just round of the mill, but at least it doesn't fall out for me. I had the round of the mill AirPods for a very long time. And then I was blessed to get AirPods Pro is a gift, and they fit my ears, which is awesome. So, uh, although the battery is starting to get spotty on them, yeah, I heard a couple people say that it's like if you bought them when they came out, the battery's not as good as it could be. Yeah, which is okay. I mean, they still do the job. We just have to charge them a little bit more. Let's circle around to what you said because there's such a like I've talked about it on the show before, but there's such a divide in my personality almost to where I like technology and and really interested in everything it can do and so on, but I just can't help but see like all the harm it can do as well like by taking over society so i'm super interested in it and i like to learn about it and like to appreciate all it can do and all it can help us with and i think we're better off well it's actually hard to say if we're better off with or without the amount we have (laughs) but i I think that mostly we're better off with the amount we have yeah but i also know that it's 
you know, you introduce the good and you introduce the bad at the same time. And I used to be doing everything you said. I'd like, whoa, I, you know, I guess I didn't have it live because I was younger or whatever. But I would just, this was a topic I was interested in. I was, it was cool to see what Apple would make. So I would, I guess I was kind of a fan and I had the time to be a fan or whatever, but I was a fan, kind of a fan and I would go and see, you know, watch the event or perhaps watch it after the fact or something and then listen to a couple of podcasts and okay, here's everything. And then here's what it means and here's what's going to happen next. And it wasn't out of necessarily the attitude of like, yes, I must buy everything now. But it was just out of the attitude of this is kind of cool and this is, you know, you're kind of keeping up to date to everything that's happening. Just like watching watching the news, only just watching sort of like just the, the tech-focused news from Apple. And then I stopped doing that because I was like, hang on, you're you're spending hours of your life to like follow what a company does and then you kind of sometimes don't want to buy it, but a lot of times you do want to buy it. <laughs> it's like, hang on, you're spending, spending hours of your life wanting to buy this thing that the company is making? Like, you're such a big fan of this one company and like anything they buy you're gonna be like there's no other company i'm like seeking out everything they make and wanting to learn about it mm-hmm. hang on apple has programmed me to <laughs> like everything they make and we i need to be more critical i, I heard one idea about the iPhone, new iphone which is that it's it's way too expensive and apple's making a terrible choice of all their names because i'm kind of more on the fan side i wouldn't think that but like from a completely if you didn't know anything about Apple and then just came into this event, you'd be like, this stuff is too expensive and why are you naming it the Apple Watch Ultra? Like, what are you talking about? You you have yeah. Ultra and Max and Pro Max and Plus and it's just, it's so good. Everything is so weird and confusing. It's very hard to keep up. Like, I can't keep up with what everything is and what it does and where it's at anymore. It's just, it's too complicated. I'm, I'm, I'm with you because I think it's just too much, you know? It's like, it's, it's, it's not sustainable to like, go through a cycle every year. Cause like, I remember, I remember every year it'd be like, Oh, well I really want the new thing that came out, but I know in a year it'll be the old thing. So like, you know what I mean? <laughs> cause you're all excited cause you're as caught up as you could be. Then it's like, Oh, exactly. It's almost better to be super behind. Cause then you're like, Oh, I'm five behind. No, I'm six behind. I, I don't care. Five behind and six behind feel the same in my mind. See, they're in a great position because they can marginally, like they can incrementally improve things like every year. And then we feel like, oh, I'm two years behind, right? Like, where did that come from? Like, what about the days when you just bought a phone and used it till it broke and then bought a new one, you know? <laughs> but now there's such a culture around having, like, you know, the new iPhone Pro Max, like, whatever. Like, I don't know. It just is silly to me, personally. I th- although, I will say, and here's here's the thing, and we can get into this. I think I need to buy an iPad. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> After we've talked about how Apple is evil, it's time to buy an iPad. I know. I know. I know. I know. Here's my here's my reasoning. So whatever I'm doing in my life, like career-wise, which I think will be worship ministry, but it's kind of just like wherever God takes me. I think it will be worship ministry too, Joe. <laughs> that's <laughs> definitely what I think it will be. Well, I, I appreciate that. I And that's, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, main <laughs> career is that. And then... Side gig, though, I want to have like a design, like media company. Everyone that I know of who's either in some kind of a creative job, whether that's design or like whatever, like anybody in that sector, even like Sean Green and like, like he, like everyone has an iPad, which also shout out to Sean Green if you're listening. Your iPad's pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody in that sector has an iPad. And so I'm thinking, man, if I want to do like design work, uh, calligraphy work, typography work design logo work like that kind of stuff like you you essentially need to have an ipad with a with an an apple pencil and the whole thing and then i'm thinking man how also awesome would that be if i just 
got the like magic keyboard or whatever and like used it as a pseudo laptop for class. Like I, cause like I see classmates with them and I'm like, man, mm-hmm. I have to like pull out my five pound laptop from like 2011 and like <laughs> plug it into the wall because the battery goes out in 20 minutes if I don't plug it in, Uh-oh. you know, but so my thinking is I'll use my laptop till it breaks because it runs Premiere, it runs Illustrator for like more of those like geometrically like rigid things I would need to do. Yeah. It runs Photoshop, like all of those things. And then I can use an iPad for like note taking and like more creative like drawing stuff. So yeah, that is the conclusion I've come to. I think I need an iPad. You have an iPad, right? I do. Okay. And as as usual, I have thoughts on this. Okay, go. So the iPad I have been rocking since I think junior year of high school. I did almost what you did as well. It's like I was on this terrible Windows laptop and it's like I need something. I'd like to get a Mac, but I sort of need something to tide me over until that Mac will be happening financially. The iPad I got was one that actually I think would be pretty cheap if you were to buy it now. It was somewhat cheap then. I got a used iPad Pro 10.5 inch. The first iPad Pro that ever came out was the 12.9 with the Apple Pencil. Then the second one they made was a, I I might be getting the order slightly wrong, but very shortly after they did a 10.5 inch iPad which is exactly what it sounds like. A bit bigger than like the nine-ish inch iPads that everyone knows and everyone's used to, but just a bit bigger than that. And of course, it does support the Apple Pencil. Now it's a little different to where like you don't need the, because used to you needed the iPad Pro to get the Pencil. And nowadays you just, almost every iPad supports the Pencil, like even the more basic school, like $300 educational type stuff. Now the smart keyboard is a different story. Or they, there's like the smart keyboard and there's like a couple different keyboards they make. I forget the names. There's like Smart Folio and... Who knows the names? Yeah, I can't remember yeah, that. Yeah, There's yeah. like a more expensive, intense keyboard they make and then like a more leathery keyboard they make. I have the more leathery one. And so, but I think the only ones that support like that fancy keyboard case are the iPad Pro, but almost every iPad these days does support the pencil. So if you just are wanting the pencil, you have a lot of options. If you're wanting the keyboard, I think you would would need an iPad Pro, if I'm not mistaken. Again, there's mm-hmm. this is one of those times where there's just like so many different options and they're all slightly different in subtle ways and like some of them are old and kind of outdated. And the one I have is the 10.5, slightly outdated one. It's actually still working really well. It's don't, <laughs> I don't want to jinx it, knock on my desk here. <laughs> but the iPad Pro 10.5, despite being older than my iPhone 10, is actually like holding up much better. <laughs> like the iPhone 10 kind of seemingly has slowed down, but the 10.5 inches doing a great job doing everything I wanted to. And so I do have the keyboard case for that in the Apple Pencil. As always, when Apple releases something new, your old stuff seems completely useless because the newer ones, you can just put that Apple Pencil right on top and it snaps on of the iPad mm-hmm. and it will just mm-hmm. start charging. I was like, that's amazing because it's always, my pencil's always dead when I want to use it. Yeah. Basically what I used it for was, again, a laptop replacement. I got through like maybe English 111 and a couple Ivy Tech classes. I got through Finite with it. Finite, I actually, and it was like using web work, which is this terrible program that strikes fear into the heart of everyone who's taken Finite, (laughs) where you have to like answer all the questions and everything. Yeah, because you would have taken Finite because you are an IU Joe. So that web work, I guess, strikes fear into your heart too. No, I I took uh, Math of Decision and Beauty at IU. So it was like fake math. Oh, okay. You you didn't take that. Good, good choice. The good choice. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So I was on Safari doing that. And then I would have another kind of like I'd do split screen and I'd have like an app called GoodNotes where you could draw and do, you know, your finite problems. So it's if you're in a math field or like design based field, it is super useful because it's like if I'm trying to figure out a problem, I want the ability to draw it. And GoodNotes is a thousand times better than paper. Because you can undo, you can move things around, you can make things bigger, you can add text, add photos. It's like paper. It's like the pro version of paper. You can do so much (laughs) with it. 
Paper Pro. Paper Pro. There's like InDesign and stuff like that so that you can design and like do more creative drawing and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I would recommend you get it. I would just recommend like one thing to be careful of. There's like this cult of online people who are like my productive iPad setup and stuff (laughs) that I used to be really interested in. Uh And it's not like there's anything wrong with doing that. But what you need to be careful with is like there are all these like videos and guides about how like how to replace your laptop with the iPad Pro. And I, I fundamentally don't think that's possible. I feel like that it's tempting to do it, but, and it's like, oh, it has a keyboard and it's like the same thing as my, it's just a touchscreen laptop, right guys? It's the same thing, but no, but it's not the same thing just, and it's a very power, it's very powerful from a hardware perspective. Like it can do a lot that you're not going to have any problem with like the processor being slow. It's fine. You will have a problem with this. There's only so much you can do with the software. Like, yes, there's a Photoshop app, but you cannot run the full, true, real version of Photoshop. There is, like, there's GarageBand, but you cannot run, like, the full version, true version of Logic. There is, like, some automation and some, like, power user type stuff, but there is not the full, like, let me go into the terminal and write shell scripts and do, like, all this really advanced stuff. And maybe you don't want to do advanced stuff, and that's fine. But there are going to be some weird things you run into to where, like, you do need a computer for. Like, this podcast we're doing right now, would be pretty much impossible for me to do on an iPad because there's just no software that will let you do all the recording and editing and everything that is necessary. Like you have to use a real computer. That is kind of on Apple because they could create Logic Pro for the iPad. They could create Final Cut for the iPad or they could open it up to where Adobe could create like, you know, the full real version of Premiere and everything. Or they could make Mac OS work on the iPad, which I wonder if they're going to do that someday. All this being said, I wouldn't try to have this replace your laptop unless you're doing like very specific types of work like i think for a student who like just is wanting to take notes and draw a few things like it's fine to do that but anything more advanced than like some basic checking of email some basic web browsing some basic drawing like it's a good kind of in-between step of the phone and the laptop but it's an just that in-between step it's not all the way to being a full-on macbook pro where you can have or macbook air or whatever the case where you can like truly have everything i think it might work well for you joe just like know that there are some things that even your like five minute lasting windows pc can do now that's really helpful and cool and there's some things you can do there but if you switch to an ipad you wouldn't be able to do some of those things yeah for sure and i think about like so i don't know if i've said this on the podcast but when i designed the um Bloomington bagel company menu <laughs> you didn't say it on the podcast joe designed the bagel company menu i did i did <laughs> it was very cool if you go in yeah, it was it cool so when i when i made that i used like a lot of the functions of or of illustrator uh and so like yeah just like grids and like very i think of that as a very geometrical like that kind of a job i would want to do on my computer because it's like okay i need to get this right like i can't be drawing stuff here like this is going to be something people are looking at for a long time so like that kind of work i would want to do on my computer for sure uh but like when i think about like, man, like, I'd like to design a shirt for CSF, you know, like that I would want to do probably in whether it's Affinity Designer, which is another one that you can use like like Adobe Illustrator uh, on the iPad uh, or like, you know, stuff like that. I, I want to I would want to do sketches and like all that on the iPad because it's like, OK, this is it's like a notebook, but it's digital. So like it's way more flexible. It's like Paper Pro. Yeah, I think I will get one. Um, which is funny because I know since this podcast has started and honestly, even before that, I've always been like, yep, I'm going to get a Mac. I'm going to get a Mac. Uh, and I, two years later, you still don't have one. I still don't have one. And it's really expensive. So fair enough. Yeah, dude. That's like, I, now it's not that I'd even like, I want one. I just, 
like two thousand dollars, over two thousand dollars for a MacBook Pro that in this economy that's going to be outdated right? in five seconds. Although exactly. devil's advocate, this isn't a bad time to get started because of the M1 transition. Like I hear the M1 Macs yeah. are amazing, so I need to not use one so that I don't want one. So that's my strategy. Yeah. Don't use an M1. But my grandpa got one, so I might use one and then be sad mm. <laughs> very shortly. <laughs> I think eventually, like if I was making enough money, I might go for it. But like right now, like, yeah, if if I can, I'm trying to do the most with the least, you know, like... I'm I'm trying to use Adobe while I have it for free. Well, technically not for free throughout you, but like free to me essentially. Um, <laughs> and like, so like I made that menu on a computer I bought for $50 and on a program I'm not paying for out of pocket and made money off of it. And so like, that's awesome. You know, that's almost completely profit. Um, and so thinking about like, okay, like if I, if I did invest in this and spent, you know, whatever, $1,000 on a new iPad Pro with a pencil, like, yeah, that's a lot of money, but, like, if I can actually make this a business, like, I can make that back, you know what I mean? And and also just to set myself up for after I graduate, like, and all of that kind of media work I want to be doing. Um, yeah, anyway, that's that was long-winded, but we'll see. I, I think I'd like to get an iPad. I'll let you know if I do. In fairness, having one as a worship leader is kind of, I feel like, a semi-necessity. <laughs> because yeah. it's just like the iPad is exactly suited for having music up and having planning center and music stand and all that stuff ready to go. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like that's just the perfect, the literally the perfect device <laughs> paper pro. Yeah. It's the perfect device to have <laughs> like a better version of paper so that you can like press one button to change the keys and do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's yeah. So I, I probably will end up getting that We'll see. We'll see. It'll be good. One thing I wanted to talk about was that I hear you were like tuning some pianos recently or something. I don't really know the yes. full story. So please like yes. catch me up to date on that situation. So yes, tuning pianos. So when I took piano lessons, I remember she didn't tell me this, but my piano teacher told my mom that that might be something that I, I could do someday because uh, I rely on my ear a lot more when I'm playing music than my, my eyes and like sight reading. I remember a piano tutor came in like 2018 to our house or something and tuned our piano. And I just sat there watching him because I thought it was so interesting. Um, and then uh, Roger Gales. Well, shout out to Roger Gales. He's uh, a Sherwood Bedford guy. He tunes pianos as well. And so uh, I got in contact with him and asked him if I could just shadow for a little bit. There was a Thursday and a Friday. And on a, on the Thursday, I went and watched him tune one in Bloomington. And then on the Friday, I went with him down to Seymour, Indiana. He tuned like six pianos that day, which is a, like a record high for him. Like uh, usually he doesn't do more <laughs> than like three or four. Um, but they had six pianos to tune. And so we did all of them. I had no idea piano tuners were in such high demand. Dude, That and that's what I'm like. So my thinking is, number one, I love music. Right. That that's just you gotta love music if you're doing this job. Number two, I know how a piano works musically. Like you have to have some theory involved, um, and like the tuning of it, which I can explain here in a second. But um so you have to love music, you have to know how pianos slash music works, and then you just have to know how to do it. And and he I mean he was telling me he does like a lot in a week. Um so I think there's good business in it. And so, and I mean, beyond that, it's just a nice skill to have. So yeah, I went with him and tuned, I've watched him tune six pianos. And so I, I essentially, I know how to do it at this point. Uh, it's just getting good at it and like, you know, 
learning how to, uh, <laughs> you know, trust my ears and all of that. Uh, cause there is a lot of like specific, like you have to really listen for, uh, for different pitches and, and, and tuning stuff. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's how I've gotten into it. Um, essentially the process for anybody who cares. So for the bottom 12 notes, I think, or maybe eight, there's one string. So if you don't know how the inside of a piano works, you push down the key and it, through a lot of mechanics, it throws up a hammer and the hammer hits the string and that's what makes the, the noise. So for the bottom uh, notes, uh, there it's like an octave, I think. There's one string. For the next, I think, one or two octaves, there's two strings per note. Uh, and then the rest of the piano is three strings per note. And so when you, so like if I hit a C pretty high up on the, on the piano, I'm hitting, the hammer is hitting three notes. And so when you tune, you have to tune everything, all of those notes. And I think there's, or all of the strings, sorry. Um, and so I, I believe there's like something like 200 um, different strings to tune, which sounds like a lot. And it kind of is, but essentially you start at, you start at A, but yeah. And then you tune that to A440, 440 hertz. You have to use muting strips. It's hard to explain verbally, but it makes more sense if you see it. You have to shove like muting strings that are just like thick felt in between the strings. When you hit the note, you're only hitting one string. Uh, and that's just so you can tune one string at a time. So you do that for the whole piano. You mute certain notes on the whole thing. And then you go through, you hit A, you tune A, and you use a series of fourths and fifths, like those intervals, to tune the whole, like an A to an A in that area. And then essentially you just do octaves. So I'll hit the A that I tuned and the A below that that's not tuned and I'll tune that to the one I tuned. And then I'll just go all the way down and then all the way up. And so then once I do that, there's one string for every note that's tuned. Uh, and then you start slowly, you start pulling out the muting strips and tuning them to each other. For the notes with two strings, you know, you just, you play the note and you can hear which one is not tuned. And so you tune that one up to the one you tuned. And for the ones that are three strings, you do it. You pull one side of the muting strip out you tune that note to the one you tune and then you pull the other side out and you tune that to the other two. And that sounds like a lot, I know. Um, and it takes about an, I think when you're good at it, you can probably do it an hour and 15 to an hour uh, per piano. It's really not too bad. It's not enjoyable for a lot of people because you have to listen to like slightly off pitches all day. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I have really enjoyed it so far. I've, I've, I have not tuned my own piano yet uh like i've not done one all the way through purely because i don't have the time to yet so i've tuned parts of pianos like my home piano i tuned a little bit on rachel's piano i tuned a little bit on csf i need to start the one downstairs but anyway i just right now i just need to get practice at because there's a lot of like little pitch stuff you have to listen to um to make sure that you're tuning right so anyway i hope that wasn't you know, long-winded at all. I that's that's basically the whole process. Obviously, when you're tuning the guitar, you have a device to help you out. Do you have a device to help you out here with the piano tuning, or it's all ear? Some people do it different ways. The guy who came to my house in 2018 who tuned our piano, who was not Roger Gales, he used a tuning device for the whole thing. Uh, what Roger does is that he will he he does uh, oral tuning, is what he calls it. I, I think that's the technical name uh, for it. He tunes like i said he uses a device to tune a or you can even use a, a tuning fork and i have one of those it's really cool you basically tune that note 
and then he he he'll have it up but like he's good at it now and so he can just tell when at the beginning right you're tuning in intervals so like a to d you can tell it's like there's a warble you know what i mean and you're trying to get rid of that as you tune it until they're like in sync and it just sounds like one one note so like for me i'll probably have my tuning app up the whole time just so i can like double check myself and make sure i'm not off you can use a tuning app the whole time um there are little minute things that you want to like do that are technically wrong like for the upper octaves when it starts to get way up there like you you want to tune it a little bit sharp and not everybody does that but it just gives it a little bit more life in the top um and it's not it's not a lot it's just a little bit you you tune it up a little bit it makes it brighter and and i think in the in the lower octaves you you can tune a little bit flat not a lot but a little bit so anyway but, but like a tuning app you know, if you use that, it would just be like, no, that's not right. Like you have to tune it. You know what I mean? And so you, he, he says you can tell the difference between a, t- a piano that's been tuned orally versus like with technology. Well, I'm glad you had fun doing that, Joe. I look forward to your side business in the future where you're a worship minister and have a media empire and tune pianos <laughs> and maybe you should come over and tune ours sometime for practice because it's been yeah too long. <laughs> I would honestly do that. I just need to find the time to do it. He'll charge people. I think his rate is like, I think I want to say it's 125 for a tuning and then a certain amount like if he has to travel like he'll charge you for gas. That's a lot of money. You know what I mean? Especially he'll do a couple a day and it's like, "Oh my gosh." Well, I mean, if he's doing 6 in a day, that's not a uh, not a bad income. Yeah, which he doesn't do that often. Like that I think the most he had done before that was 5. Uh and he's he said he didn't want to break that record again cuz that that was a long day. I think we got to Scottsburg at 10 and left at like 7. And it's like a, a mentally draining work as well. You're not you're not sitting back and relaxing. Yeah. But I mean, you do the math like he he made a lot of money that day. <laughs> I'm looking forward to doing it. It like I said, I love music. I love the way music works. I love mechanics and like fixing things even though I'm not super great at it all the time. Uh like I'm very interested in all of that. So it seems to be something that fits me well. Um, and it's a, just a good side hustle to have. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to continuing to do it. And, and hopefully he can teach me eventually how to like fix pianos. Cause that's also, he tunes, but he also like does maintenance and like, um, he restores pianos, um, and all of that. So I'm hoping to learn that stuff. Um, in the coming years after I graduate, I like to also talk about music production, and this is like in the realm of the digital world where the pianos don't need to be tuned because they're like always the same every single time. Mm, yeah. And this is something I've been I've been doing for a while, but I have been I've been really back into it for a couple of reasons. You're essentially writing my own songs. I've been writing my own like electronic-y songs for about ten years, which is weird to say. But I did start when I was like eight or nine. So Wow. Actually it's been a little more than like eleven or twelve. How time flies when you're having fun. That's crazy. But I started out I essentially asked my dad to give me reason lessons, which was like this reason four is the program that I used when I got started. And that is a, a very, very old program at this point. You know, ten years old. But it was just this DAW, if you haven't heard of that, stands for digital audio workstation. And it's just essentially what people make music in. Lets you record in audio, lets you record in MIDI notes, and lets you make a make a whole song. So I have a bunch of songs I made in Reason for. I look back and they're not, most of them aren't very good, but there is like a certain honesty to them, I think, because I wasn't really like censoring myself in the sense of 
if I have a bad idea now, I just won't save it or won't work on it. But then I'd have kind of a bad idea and I'd like go all the way with it. Like it didn't sound very good, but I would like still make a six and a half minute song out of this thing that didn't (laughs) sound very good. So it's like, I appreciate there's kind of a a certain honesty to it. Mm. And then I upgraded it to Reason 6, which was like huge because they actually introduced audio tracks in there. Like you couldn't do audio for Reason 4. So they introduced audio tracks in Reason 6. I upgraded to Reason 10, which was... I also don't think a very big upgrade. They just do small upgrades. It's just like Apple. I give them my money because they do small improvements and it's it's worth having it. Mm-hmm. And the upgrade pricing isn't too bad. The reason I'm talking about this in the first place because I, I did this like a summer sale and upgraded to Reason 12. I've sort of done every even version for a while. And that allowed me to, to use Reason as a VST. I'm not sure if you've heard of that before. I have not heard of VST. VST stands for Virtual Studio Technology. And it's basically allows other people, other companies to make instruments and effects that go inside of existing DAWs. So what that basically means is that I can open up Logic and then have like a small fake version of Reason running within Logic. And so I can use all of the Reason sounds and effects, but still use like the program of Logic and everything that Logic can do. So I'm only using Reason for the for the sounds and nothing else. I'm not using their oh. you know ability to record or anything like that. I'm just using Logic to record and work on the notes and work on the audio and everything. And Reason sounds can be added into the program as well as everything that Logic can do as far as sounds. So that's what VSTs are. Dang. And I think that feels like the perfect songwriting combo for me. Like it's easy to get obsessed with the tool, but it's not the tool. It's the artist. Like it's exactly what we've mm. been saying this whole time. It's doing the most with the least. Because there are like some Reason 4 demo songs that are like, they, they sound amazing, but that you only had like in Reason 4 such a limited amount of instruments and sounds and things you could do. Yet really good artists who really knew what they were doing came in and made some great songs using those limited features. Mm-hmm. And I would sometimes as a kid like listen to those demo songs, like how are they so good at this? Well, they're good at it because they have a good understanding of music and Zachary as a little kid didn't have a good understanding of music. Mm. They're just using the limits to their advantage. They're like, okay, I can't do this. I can't do this. Like, but I can still make a good song using what few instruments and, and like effects and things that I have. So more broadly, I thought of this phrase, your DAW isn't bad, you're bad. <laughs> it's like you should never <laughs> blame the DAW. You can't blame the tools. You can't blame the sounds if you're not happy with your music. Because it's like, look, you can go on YouTube and there are so many good production channels that can teach you how to do things. Not only that, you can like go and see someone use like the stock version of GarageBand and make like this great song out of it because they're super talented. There's a Lizzie McAlpine YouTube video where she's like going through my old garage band projects and they're like really good all it is is just her singing guitar and a few effects and strings or whatever she's not like obsessing over the tool she just has an idea for a song and is making a few tracks in garage band and garage band's a lot simpler than logic you can't do as much but it still is a good sounding song and it's like you can't blame your tools your daw isn't bad you're bad (laughs) the tough thing about music production is that no music producer really knows what they're doing because music is so creative like you'll you'll talk to sometimes musicians or see like videos of them or whatever and you're like wow this person must be like the wisest most you know the the songs they've created are so great and majestic and they must be like the wisest most uh (laughs) you know smart person that has ever existed they're like on a different plane of reality and then you meet them and they're just complete like goofballs and they're like oh yeah for this song i just sort of did a minor and then e minor and then sort of a couple other chords i don't remember and it's Mm -hmm. like but how your your music is so like serious and grand but you're just like Oh yeah, I don't really, I, I don't really know what I did. I just sort of added some reverb here, and then, and you know, changed <laughs> added this chord. And it's like you don't even you're you're good because you like have a God given talent, but you don't even know how it is that you're good because music is creative. It's like you can't explain how to write good songs. You're just like, oh, it mm-hmm. sounded good, so yeah. I just I played it this way. This is why music teachers are in demand. It's hard to 
be good at the music itself and also good at teaching it because there are tons mm. of people who are great at the music itself but can't teach at all because they're just like they so intuitively understand it i'm gonna call out like charlie puth as an example like he has youtube videos where he'll be like here's how i made the song so first i did this and then i did this and then i did this but how is it that you charlie puth like knew to do those things you just have like the ear for it and the talent for it we can't do those mm. things because we're not charlie puth yeah Anyway, that, that can be annoying sometimes. But there are a lot of good tutorials out there. There's huge value in listening to music as a musician for ideas. Yep. If you feel like you don't have ideas, find artists that inspire you and try to copy them. There's some quote that I like about how humans are imperfect mirrors. So if we try to mirror this artist we like, it's imperfect. So the reflection is going to come back differently, but the reflection is going to come back as us. Mm. If you're trying to like copy Lizzie McAlpine or whatever, it won't sound like Lizzie McAlpine. It will sound like Joe is like doing a song on a guitar. And it'll be your own, even though you're copying, mm -hmm. it'll just be to where you're doing your own original song. And finally, my last point, I think we underappreciate Spotify and YouTube sometimes. You and me can probably remember a time before those things were out because we're young enough. But many of the young kids have always had Spotify and YouTube. You can find tutorials of people producing. You can find basically every recorded song in the world. We don't really have any excuse. We should have endless inspiration, and endless ideas for new songs. Mm -hmm. So I think that, again, don't be Zachary. Don't blame your DAW for being bad. Just get out there, have ideas, put, put those ideas into practice. Learn how to use, yes, learn how to use your tools and like learn how to get fast at them and know, know what all the buttons and knobs do. But also don't let the buttons and knobs stop you from getting out there and making something truly great. Yeah, that's solid advice. Yeah, your DAW's not bad. You're bad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Joe. Have you ever used like anything like that? Um, there was a brief moment. Um, gosh, last year, Jack was home and we came to CSF and we're trying to record stuff. Um, and it was really hard. It was like, like because I, we, neither of us had ever done like, neither of us had ever recorded anything that we had made into a computer. So like trying to get a take of something and then it's like, well, the question is like, do you want to do it live or do you want to like chop it up and do like different, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's what I was thinking of because would you rather as a guitar player, like play the guitar and get it perfect and then sing, you know, one time separately after that or would you rather do it all at once? I think it depends on the song. Because I feel like from a production perspective, it would be good to do the guitar and like nail it exactly right and then just do the singing. But also if it's like, you're not aiming for perfection. You're just aiming to get it down. I think most of the time I would prefer to do them separately and then pull them together. Then you kind of ensure that you're at least in tempo with yourself because it's hard and it's hard to do two things at once. You know, like it's hard to sing exactly what you need to sing and exactly the way you need to sing it and also play what you exactly what you need to play exactly the way you need to play it. So like I think separating them is a good thing, but we didn't, we were figuring it out as we went. So uh, it is what it is. I need to revisit some of those things because I haven't looked at the stuff we wrote in a long time. Might be some good stuff in there. Might be some good stuff, yeah. But I've really come to like and appreciate Logic a lot. The two really big and popular ones are Logic, as I said, and then there's also Ableton, uh, Ableton Live. So it sort of feels mm. like this isn't always the case because, again, every tool can be used for anything, potentially. What tends to sort of happen, though, is Ableton Live is more EDM electronic music and Logic is more singer-songwriter. Again, any tool can be used for anything. It just feels like that tends to be what people use those things for. But mm -hmm. again, like Logic is so great. It makes, I'm sorry to the like propeller head company that makes Reason, but <laughs> it, Logic makes Reason 
even the most recent version of Reason, which is Reason 12. Logic makes Reason 12 look like a child's kindergarten toy. <laughs> it can do so much. Logic can, like, you name something you would want. Because I thought that there was, like, a bunch of things that, oh, Logic can't do this, but Reason can. Wow, I guess Reason's better. It's like, no, Logic can do it. You just have to know what menu to go into and what keyword shortcut to use. And you can, like, do almost do anything in Logic. You can change, like, make custom keyboard shortcuts. You can make wild automations. It can do basically anything. That's crazy. Logic is so great. So great job, people that program Logic. It is just such a good program. There's no excuse. You can do so much. There's a feature that's like saved my bacon so many times as well, which is like record what I just played. Too often in Reason, I would be like playing around on the keyboard and I'd play something. Oh, this is great. And I was like, okay, go to record it. But then I couldn't figure out what I had just done. And it was like lost to the sands of time. And Logic has a feature where it's like, you know, that thing that I just played, like, you know, three seconds ago, I press one button and it gets immediately added to the track. What? I'm not recording, but I'm just playing with the click track on and then I'm playing around on the keyboard. A lot of times I won't like it. So it's like, okay, go do something, work on something else now. But if I do like it, I can press one button and that all those notes get added to the track that I just played, even though I wasn't recording a few minutes ago. That's crazy cool. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. The computer is always listening to what you do. And because the computer is always listening to what you do, you can put your past notes on there. And then, like, good ideas aren't lost. Because I think, like, the whole point of music software and, and DAWs in the first place, like, they should help you achieve your goals of music and, like, using the powers of computers for good, like we said. And they should yeah. assist you in making good music. Because, like, you have good ideas, but they can assist you and, like, give you a hand to where it would become even better. That No, that's awesome. And I, I yeah, I think if I ever did get a Mac, that would be something I want is Logic. Um, just because it's so versatile and so useful and helpful. Yeah, and I'd recommend if you do get started on that, you would, they make like, it's it's an advanced enough program to where there's actually a mode, which is like simple mode for people who are getting started, where like <laughs> half, of, half of the features aren't there. And then there's advanced mode once you get good at it. And I think you can even like maybe turn on custom. You can like decide how advanced the program is by turning on certain like huge sets of features. Anyway, man, it is just, it is pretty pretty fantastic. So that's my my love letter to Logic, which is like, I'm not that good at making music, but it's like, I have such good tools that can help me make such good music. Mm, yep, yep. I say, you, you haven't even heard any of my music, so for all you know, it's like <laughs> bad. But uh, uh, it's not like terrible. Yeah, I made the College Try theme, you know, several other pr- projects that are known only to me. Let's say I make 10 projects. I think one of them I'm happy with. One of them I'm like, this is a good song. That's not bad. Yeah. And the others are just like, either I delete them or put them in the graveyard or whatever the case. Because I, I always... If they're okay, I put them in the graveyard because I might revisit them sometime and have a different idea. Yeah. But most of the time, the graveyard is dead. Didn't you also make the Outlast theme? Yes, I made the... So it, a while ago for Sherdux Christian Church, there was like this competition uh, video series where people did a fake version of Survivor in the woods. And I did make the the theme for that. It was called Outlast. And that was all of the music for that. It was like 14 tracks. I'm actually really proud of that. I think all of those 14 songs yeah. are legitimately really good. And it's like... Yeah. <laughs> not to pat myself on the back i just think that, that i like was able to make higher quality work than i usually do because the thing for me is like i don't feel like i'm really a songwriter by trade i feel like i'm more a producer by trade to where like if someone comes to me with an idea there was this other church project for example where the old worship minister his name was tim thompson and so he came to me and he had this idea and he knew like how he wanted to play the chords and how he wanted to sing but just like okay make it sound good so i was able to help him with that but it's hard for me to generate ideas unless i know what those ideas are going toward. So if you're like, make a podcast theme song. Okay, I can do that. Make a song for the Christmas thing at church. Okay, cool. Make a song for like 
to go in the background when people are battling it out in the woods. Okay, cool. I'll do that. <laughs> and then if you like, and Jack came to me and like, here's this idea. Okay, cool. I think I know what we should do next. Yeah. But it's hard for me to get started. I kind of need someone else to get me started. But once I get started, I'm fine. You know exactly what you're good at, which is a good thing. Yeah, that's really cool. And I think it's also, yeah, I think it's really cool you did the, the theme song for that or like all of the music for it. Outlast Concepts. I'm trying to find the folder. I've got so much stuff in here. Outlast Soundtrack. There are 16 tracks. Yeah, I'm really proud of these. I'm proud of mm -hmm. this. It's, uh, yeah, it was, it was a fun time. You gonna play one for us? I will add some of that to the background of this podcast. Have I talked about bullet journaling in the the journal I have now? No, please. Like that's you. You know, you said the word bullet journal. You activated my productivity instincts. So let's talk about. It. <laughs> let's talk about that. Do 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 Yes. So. So bullet journaling is a thing that I've tried before that I never really got into fully, but like. Like you, like you just said, like the productivity side of my brain is like, <gasps> <laughs> yes, new system to figure out my life and I'll never have any problems again, no matter what. Yes, Hooray. exactly. Which is false. Um, but, and there's like, yeah, there's like a ton of, like there's a whole subculture cult of people who are like, this is how I bullet journal, you know, like. And then you're, you're watching YouTube videos for like three hours straight. Wow, this is yes. a really cool system. But then you don't, yes. if you're me, you don't actually start doing it because who cares? Yeah, exactly. But I'm glad it's working for you. Yeah, well, so I'll just explain kind of what my system is. Uh, it's not exactly what they, like what the actual thing is. Um, I use some parts of it, but other parts not so much. So for me, specifically me, I knew that number one, journaling about the past is something that like centers me and like grounds me, uh, makes me feel like I'm not going crazy, which is why I journal. Uh, and I hadn't been for a long time. And so I wanted to get back into it. And then also to plan for like the future, like, and like getting better at like writing things down that I need to remember or people I need to talk to or just, yeah, calendaring things out is a good thing. Um, and so my system is so at the beginning, um, I wish I could show you all, but I can't, uh, I have like a, a key of like, and, and most bullet journals have this stuff. Uh, it's just like dividing up the page into, into like thirds and, uh, quarters and making like, so you know where to draw the boxes that you need or, or, you know what I mean? And then I have a year at a glance, which, uh, to explain it verbally is like basically, so on a two page spread, so like fully looking at the notebook open up, I have August, September, October, November, December, and January, like in the months. And then below them, all the way down to the bottom of the page, I have the like each day numbered there. And so when something comes up, I just jot it down right next to the number that the day is. And so I have, I also, on the next two page spread, I have February, March, April, May, June, July. On the next page, I have like more specifically, I have August. So, and then I drew boxes for each day. 
Uh, and then I just put things in that I'm doing. I'll get back to that. Um, so the calendar's there. And then after that, I'll write down, if I, if I want to journal, I'll just write down the day and the time that I'm journaling and then journal. On August 4th, for example, at the bottom of that page, I had uh, tomorrow, 8-4, I wrote down that I needed to plan for a life plan. I had to get that done. I had to send somebody an invoice. Hang on. You were planning your whole life? No, 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 no. Sorry. Life plan is like a, like a program that CSF has for discipleship. Okay. I thought you were like, oh, I only had one thing to do. Plan my entire life. Simple. My whole life. <laughs> no. Um, it was a, it's a, yeah, it's a program they have you do, uh, through discipleship and it helps you just like get a sense of what you want to do in your life, which is actually super helpful. Anyway, from there, it's just like journal entries and to-do lists, uh, potential college Sunday set, notes from a meeting, quick things, brain dumps, uh, from notes from leadership retreat, uh, things I need to do when I'm stressed out. Like I'll just, I'll just dump everything on there and say, Hey, I need to do this, 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 and this tomorrow. Big journal entries, uh, leadership meeting notes, first encounter, like planning the set for that, which I have like in detail here, uh, like each song and thoughts in between. Oh, and then like encounter notes, taking notes for that, taking notes at meetings and, and things like that. So basically it consists of mostly journal entries and then to-do lists slash things I need to remember. Uh, and then more generally like a calendar. Something I added this month that I did not do last month and that I'm currently in the middle of is, um, so in addition to the calendar, like the boxes calendar, I have a habit tracker which I saw somebody do and I really loved the way they did it. So if you can imagine, so it's an XY graph. So on the Y axis, I have all of the things I want to track. So like, for instance, solitude, Sabbath, journal, Bible, reading, prayer, grateful, and reaching out. Those are all the things that I want to track. Um, and it, there's a few more, but, uh, and essentially I'll just go on the X axis is each day of the month. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, all the way up to 30. And if I do that thing, uh, that little box where the, where the two meet, the X and the Y axis, gets a, a dot. And so I can track what I've been doing based on the amount of dots that I have. So like, uh, you know, I've only journaled four times this month so far. Um, and, you know, uh, I've made time for solitude three times. Yeah, just keeping track of things that you want. And then on the top... Uh, I have a similar setup with the Y or the X axis is the days again, but on the X axis, uh, it's a one to 10 scale. And so with different dashes and marks and stuff and different ways of keeping track, I keep track of my sleep, my mood and my stress for the day. Hmm. So my sleep is one to 10. Uh, like, so for last night I got, uh, seven hours of sleep ish. I won't write down my mood and my stress till like tonight when I'm going to bed. But like for yesterday, my stress level was a four and my mood was an eight and a half. Pretty good day. Yeah, pretty good day. Um, but like it's interesting, sometimes my stress will spike when my sleep goes down. Correlation. And since it's all on the same x-axis as the habit tracker below, you can I can actually look at like, oh, okay, like my mood was better and that was also a day I made time for reading my Bible and journaling and making time for Sabbath and solitude. And I prayed and I, you know, like, so I can, 
I can look at my mood for the day in addition to my sleep for the day and my stress for the day, as well as all of the activities I want to track. It's actually pretty useful. And I think, yeah, as I go, it'll be better. Right now, it's like, I can't really see any patterns yet because I just started. So we'll see. But uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. I think one thing that's not, just recently I've been like, why am I doing this? Uh, Is the calendar. Um, Just because it's like, why would I not just use Google calendars, which (laughs) I can digitally change and like mess around with and yeah. So that might be one thing I, I, I ax from this is not the future planning. Like I like that. Like just being able to like jot down a family vacation. My family told me about that's in June. You know, I'll just, I just wrote it down in there. I guess I could put that in Google calendars, but I don't really want to. But anyway, so that's, so that's how I use my bullet journal. I am fascinated by the bullet journaling type of stuff. And like, I understand why it's like, Oh, the analog productivity way of doing things is is like better because you know you don't have to mess with backing up your data or whatever and i get why people do it it does make me nervous to have everything in one place like oh the csf building burns down and then okay and you have to like recreate it from scratch i, I don't know does that did you ever worry about that or like someone dumps water or you dump water yeah it feels like there's just one single thing waiting to be taken out yeah and so that's why i don't i try not to do all of my future planning in there um but it's really just like like I had encounter last night. So we have these service review meetings on Friday mornings. And so I was writing things down after encounter that I wanted to talk about today. And it's not like it's like super important information, but like that's just the place where I write it down. So I don't forget it. And then I can bring it to the meeting. And, and so really I use it mostly for to-do lists and then journaling um, and not so much future planning. I mean, it, it te- yes, technically there is an aspect of that. Um, but I like to, use it mostly for reflective and like things that I'm going to forget otherwise. I do a lot of that exact same stuff. It just happens you're doing it like in a paper way and I'm doing it in a digital way. Yeah. Again, my productivity system is kind of use the Apple calendar, share things with my family on there and have my own stuff. Then use like a to-do list app, reminders on the phone, of course. And, and that's actually kind of it. And like also part of it is for me is being picky about like what I put into the productivity system. Because, like, you can put a million things in there, but then it's like, okay, I only am excited about, like, three of them. So you should just delete everything except the three you're excited about. Yeah. Perhaps that's a topic for another time. But an enthusiastic yes or no. Sure. And then what I've been doing lately is journaling. And, again, on the computer, I've been journaling, but I've not been deleting all the old entries like I used to. Ooh. You encouraged me not to do it. Because I'm, like, writing all this cringy, immature stuff in there. Mm -hmm. And then I would know to delete it because I'm like, look, you're going to look at this in one month and, like... This guy in the past was so stupid to write all this like 14 year old garbage in there. Like, oh, my (laughs) life is so terrible. And this is because, you know, so horrible. And it's like, but yeah, but I'm just going to leave it there. Because one thing I did was about a week ago, there were three things that were really bothering me and I was super worried about. Mm. And I was going through all my Apple notes today, just making sure they were all, you know, how I wanted them to be, et cetera. And I was, I came across that note that I made a week ago that I may have forgotten about if I wasn't going through everything. I was like, oh. Two of these are completely resolved, and one of them is on its way to being resolved. Mm. So it's like you were freaking out last week, yeah. and then one, seven days later, okay, whatever. New problems, sure, but the old problems that were such a big thing are not what they once were. So that's, I think, the value of keeping the journal entries. Mm-hmm. You could say like, man, I do not think that anymore. <laughs> Thank heavens I don't think about my life that way anymore. I was just having a bad day or whatever. Yeah, It's twice helpful. It's helpful in the moment to get all the, your anger and annoyance out. And then it's helpful to go back and say, like, they feel real in the moment, but if they're just fleeting emotions, 
it wasn't like there was any real problem and life went back to normal after the fleeting emotion happened. I think that sort of teaches you something about life. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think there's a lot to be learned from yourself and self-reflection is good for that. Um, so journal, everybody listening. It's good for you, probably. 